That easy is going down With some help from Rand and Dre Making a way with dope style Show easy, what you gotta say? A miracle of modern creation Easy ease on the set Hyped up with the bass And a little bit of what you love From a brother who's smooth like a criminal I mean subliminal Otherwise known as a villain Because I'm ruthless When I spot a sucker, I kill him But most I think know not to deal with me Yo, it's obvious Tell him who you came to see Everybody, come on! Yo, yo, welcome back for Easy Access, baby. I gotta be honest, I played this opening song a little longer than I should have just because I wanted to hear that line. Welcome back, everyone. It's been a while since we've connected. I hope this early 2022 has treated you and everyone you care about kindly. Now, I know I said back in November that I'd be back in January, and by the time you hear this podcast, we'll be on the first day of Black History Month. I can't front. I have enjoyed the break from this podcast, spending time with my family, uh, just hanging out with my wife, vacationing, and just plain relaxing. The seduction of not coming back was palatable because who wants to give up these moments? But in this free time, spending it at dawn, seeking early morning wisdom, finding out what I want this podcast to be, I discovered that my mission for this podcast and the design is for it to be a love letter to black culture. Now, sometimes that love letter will be filled with hope and gladness. Other times may be biting and critical. But through it all, I want the word of love to be evoked from my passion and interest. Our culture is a prism of life. It is through that prism that I look at politics, social issues, and even entertainment. So with that being said, let's officially start season two by asking the question, uh, what's up with that opening song? Well, quite recently, I've been fascinated at how unwilling this country has been to address the harsh truths of its past, present, and future. We have school districts banning books on the Holocaust and, of course, America's greatest sin, slavery. You see, it's easy to dismiss the true ethos of American design, but because doing so, we can pad the mythos of this country. Even the way this country evaluates race, gender, and hell, even black professional talent, newsflash, a lot of racist people operate with the awareness that it's taboo to say overtly racist things. Very few people are going to say, well, we just don't want that niggeress on the court. Or, we don't want this Jewish literature in our school. And we definitely don't want our kids learning a fundamental principle of fact that this country, in every fiber of our being, is looked at through the prism of race, class, and gender. From our laws to our financial systems. That's just a fact. This country is built on the bedrock of white supremacist ideals. Because how else could we rationalize a group of white settlers displacing indigenous natives and taking over their land and establishing a new nation unless we create a holiday fantasizing that it was a peaceful exchange of hearty meal that was had by all? It's easy to digest our history when you add turkey to the plate. But that easy just doesn't fall on one side of the dish. White liberalism, 
and the falsely label of the moderate allows for a space to debate on things like this in such an intellectually disingenuous manner that it requires us to disregard all context in which these events are unfolding, which is another perfect example of how white liberalism and and the white moderate enables fascism. This is done by playing fast and loose with the concept of that there's both sides to an argument surrounding intolerance and ignorance. When you give them the space of appeasement, what you're doing is authorizing the validity of their opinion. Trump would not have been president had CNN not aired him so frequently. But as the harsh truth of our reality, we legitimize hate by giving air to explain itself. When somebody does something so morally abhorrent or reprehensible, do we allow a space for them to explain themselves so we can understand their mutual state, their mental state? Better yet, do we want to hear from an abuser on why they keep abusing something? Of course not. But if white supremacy is the abuser, then we are, in fact, its victims. But here we are to provide context to the abuse. It's easier to say that Biden's and the Democrats' agenda is thwarted by two senators. It's harder to say that Biden and the Democratic Party lack the fundamental will, prowess, foundation, and fortitude to do what they need in order to get what they, what they want done. But we don't want hard truths. We want easy. Because quite frankly, in order for us to turn a blind eye towards the reality of our situation, we just want a pathway to simplify our manufactured prism. Or as the great orator, Eric Wright, said so eloquently, easy access, baby. So, with that being said, welcome back to season two of Uncultured Bias. Thank you for coming on this journey. And we're going to get right into it. Uh, shout out to our sponsors of My Compass Tax if you need, if you're looking for a comp, uh, excuse me, if you're looking for a tax situation, we're coming up on tax season. Please com- contact mycompasstax.com at 850-273-7193 or mycompasstax.com. Of course, shout out to Smith and Wayne Trial Group. Uh, we establish your estate planning and um, probate needs. And of course, if you're looking for real estate, uh, check out uh, Keystone Global Real Estate. All right, so we're gonna bring on our guest for season two, Jace. My man, what's up, baby? Man, I was rocking to that easy, man. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm always looking to represent the West, man. I mean, I was born in Brooklyn. I love right. Brooklyn. But, you know, anytime I get to bring out the yeah. West Coast. You know what? There's a cat that, um, a, a DJ that I follow, DJ Artistic. Mm-hmm. He went to FAM, but he's from uh, Cali. And he made a point the other day about um, just how we kind of view music on different coasts like the South. We kind of embrace everybody down here to me. Um, but we also really, really embrace artists from the South. New York, they really embrace artists from New York, but the West Coast, it doesn't seem, to me at least, it's never seemed like there's been any beef about listening or embracing other forms of rap music. Well, okay. Um, what well, you got to be clear here, because there was beef you know, for a short period no, of time. Well, okay, beef in the right word. Maybe embrace. So, like, I, I can still hear or I can still see arguments from folks from the East Coast that'll say, like, no, nah, that's that's bogus. Like, y'all still listen to so-and-so? Or, right, 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 right. Whereas I feel like the West Coast is like, oh, that's jamming. Yeah, yeah. No, so, like, I will say, um, and this is, like, a whole other pod, because I have an idea for a pod that I want to focus on that. But um, I had the benefit of growing up in Brooklyn and then moving to the East Coast. Mm. And... To the West Coast. To, to the West yeah. Coast, rather. And so, you know, being immersed in that California lifestyle mm-hmm. and and even a particular region of, of California, the Bay Area, yeah. um, and then obviously the entire state, um, 
you know, you had your musical palette was so varied. Mm-hmm. And then when I would, I would bring music from the East Coast to my friends, they'd be like, oh, that's rocking. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they yeah. would enjoy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to my cousins, some of them be like, oh, that's a little... I don't really mess with that. I don't yeah. really mess with Only a few would like a certain amount of songs. So yeah. I, I do understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um. So, but I'm glad you like the easy. Did you like... Did, did I land a plane for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Always, man. Always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that open it always lands. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. He just saying that because he want to get back on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, man. So I'm going to get... Into it, but I, you know what? I'm going to start this off. Yeah, I'm going to say something really, really. It may be controversial. I don't know. Okay, let's but it's going it. like to controversy. Okay, um, but you know, it's keeping with the theme of easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to say that, uh, you know, Trump got elected because of Hillary's bad yeah. campaign. Yep, and it's easy to say that um, Obama really had nothing. He couldn't do nothing with that. Yeah. The hard truth is, and this has always been my opinion, that had Obama put a black woman as a, you know, a Supreme Court justice, uh, or at least had pushed her to be a Supreme Court justice, as opposed to Merrick Garland, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have had a Trump presidency. You think so? Absolutely. Because right. let me tell you, you because you think about it at the time, mm-hmm. you think Republicans are going to hold out. And if, and if they did, but you think they're going to hold 18 months of not giving this woman a hearing? Yes. Perfect. That would have been great. Yeah. Because guess what? You could have had, Hillary could have campaigned on that premise like, okay, y'all might not even like me, mm-hmm. but y'all see how like this qualified, distinguished black woman, they wouldn't even give her, they could have, the Democrats could have weaponized that campaign and they could have galvanized because there were scores of black people mm-hmm. who weren't enthusiastic about Hillary. Yeah. And they could have easily said, and not just and, and just politics. I hate to sound so you know crazy about it, but they could have weaponized the concept that Republicans weren't going to give this woman a yeah. hearing, and and that black woman could have been the attorney general, right? Or the next, or Hillary could have said, "Hey, I'm going to ensure that the next vacancy, this black woman will fill." I, I can I can kind of ride with that. I also think Hillary's ego would have gotten in the way. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. But I yeah. I mean. But I I don't I don't disagree with you. The carrot on the stick. Yeah. Would have been. You know. Yeah. There's black. There's a black woman who's ready to be appointed, and they won't even give this woman a hearing. So you hear that? You, your listeners hear that? Kamar's blaming Obama for Trump. Oh yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um. So listen, everybody's us all hands on deck yeah. of what happened, right? Um, so I don't think you can look at what happened in 2016 through just the microcosm of like, you know, Trump's campaign. I think yeah. he, he campaigned well. You can't look at the microcosm of, you know, uh, Hillary's poor campaigning mm-hmm. or what you have to look at everything in a holistic view mm-hmm. and make it a point to say what really happened. And I really do believe, cause we lost on the margins. Yeah. They lost on the margins and you, there was a depressed vote in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that a Obama, when he made when he put Merrick Garland out there, I, I, and even when he we did that, we looked at we're like, who's Merrick Garland, and why is he so important? And even in his la- his last breath of presidency, Obama was trying to appease to the very group who who undercut him on everything. And he when he put him out, remember he said, "I think this is a guy that I think both sides will like." Yeah, man. Yeah. Why He's still doing it? Because that's Obama. That's why. <laughs> why? But you know what I'm saying? But like, why? Yeah. Like, why? Why would you put up somebody that clearly? Yeah, there's like you, instead of looking towards, I'm going to put up a justice yeah. that is going to push 
policy forward and I'm going to put up a justice that's going to push the culture forward. Yeah. I'm going to put up a justice to a piece to the very group who's in everything in their power to dehumanize my family, mm-hmm. my my legacy and the the and my supporters. So I think I think we have the power of of hindsight in this one. I said at the time. Whereas, this ain't this ain't hindsight. This ain't hindsight. Okay, I said I, at I the time. You. I got you. Okay. But so you if, can continue, if I'm though. looking at it from that lens, that if if he would have done that, how would this have played out differently? I still the the issues that Hillary had with her campaign, the way she campaigned, the way she went about it, that wouldn't have changed. Absolutely. So I, I still think there still would have been an issue with it. Where I agree, though, is we're still talking about politics, and we know that, I don't want to say identity politics, but we know that identity is so tightly wrapped in how we vote. Mm -hmm. So if you did have a black woman, because, and and to your point, as soon as Biden said, hey, I'm, I'm done, I'm retiring, I saw everybody like, all right, Biden. You said right. that you would, and he came out. I was like, "No, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick to that." Like, black voters were ready to, to crucify. Like, yeah. okay, no, don't, don't switch up on us. On, I have a, 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 a diversion on that, which I, I won't get to now, but I'll come back to it later. Mm-hmm. That if he wouldn't have stuck to this, we would have been so ready to. I'm done with Biden. Compared to all the other shit that he's done that has been to the detriment. We'll get to that. Of, yeah. So we'll get there. But going back to your original point, I, I really and truly I don't disagree. I, I think that that would have been a better pick than Merrick Garland. Whereas, do, I mean, like, do, do you hear or see anything about outside of his job? But it's not as if when Biden was running or even when he picked him, we were like, finally, we got my boy something that he can. It was like, okay. But here's the thing about it, and it, and really, just the crux of going back to the the placement of, um, Obama picking not put, putting a black woman on right. there. I was really, really, like confused about why. The first time or the second time? <laughs> I was confused about why wouldn't you use this opportunity to do that now? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like why what. What is the 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 impetus mm-hmm. to put another white man on the Supreme Court? I think that Obama has the same view of life as Quincy Jones. Like if if you've ever seen that Quincy Jones doc, you know he said that he wanted his family to look like the United Nations. Yeah, but you know what? Um, I think that's how Obama kind of views politics. Is that the only way we can get beyond um, these fissures that we have and this divisiveness is that. If I continue to try to appease all sides by not showing that I'm just only focusing on LGBTQ or black or these marginalized minority groups that I have to be inclusive of white people in order to move this agenda forward. Mm -hmm. And we see that that hasn't been true. Yeah, but here's the thing about it, though, Jay. It's a crazy stat. And this is going to lead us into our next section of this Mm -hmm. pod, um, which is where I really want to get into. Um. Out of 115 Supreme Court justices, 108 of them are white men. Yeah. And so the thought process, like, I'm going to use a very, you know, a select group mm. to not appease to the group of people that have been backing me 
was fascinating to me at the time. Yeah. I was like, I was baffled. I was you're really piece, baffled. You're appeasing the institution. And, and, and to that point, what I really, and again, this is just being critical right. of it. Again, we talk about this love letter to black culture, but sure. what the thing that turned me off about it a lot was that he was at that point and on a campaign um, where, you know, he went to, I know we, we talked about it privately. He went to, um, a Morehouse and he gave that speech mm-hmm. at Morehouse mm-hmm. talking about you need to raise your kids and pick up your pants. Chastised them. And so he it, turned into Gary Siplin at Morehouse. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he was talking about pick up your pants, raise your kids, yeah. stop having babies yep. to Morehouse men. Yep. Right? And I was just like, bruh. This is the institution <laughs> you choose to do this. Right. Morehouse. <laughs> Morehouse. Of all places is <laughs> right. where you are telling these men this right. ain't the right place, dog, for that type of speech. It's which, never appropriate anyway. Even it if you isn't. were in, you are if you were in Valencia, right. it would have been inappropriate. Right. But you choose Morehouse, Morehouse. to start chast- chastising people to pick up their pants. These are going to be the f- leaders of industry. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't do that at Harvard. So you couple that yep. with then you sat there and you didn't even, you, you with the Malacos white man to put to, on the Supreme Court, I was like, yeah, you ain't, you ain't <laughs> seen it. I ain't seen it. And that's, when I, 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 that's one of the main reasons I was like, this is not going to work. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that if he would have put somebody on there, it would have been the carrot on the stick for black folks. Yeah. You know, because, again, Trump only lost by 20,000 votes in, in the, excuse me, the, um, the Pennsylvania mm-hmm. state. You know what I'm saying? And in the 12,000 in Wisconsin. Though, just in Pennsylvania alone, yeah. that would have been. Got, if you could have gotten some more black folk to come out for you. And I'm not blaming, blaming it on black folk, but I'm saying no, that. I don't think you are. But I'm saying that this would have been. You part, used the tools in that, your toolbox, the, and he left that tool in his toolbox. He left that tool in the toolbox. Yeah. And, you know, I, I maintain that theory. And I, yeah. I will have no way to prove it. But I felt it at the time, and yeah. I and I'm hardened by it now. To your point mm-hmm. of, you know, you're saying that had you know this not come up, mm-hmm. and he finally like, well, we're gonna start seeing our black people being like, all right, now hold on now, yeah, like wait a minute now, Joker, we put him. you in office. Yeah. It would have killed him, man. It it, it would have torpedoed whatever you know. If he thinks his agenda has been torpedoed now. It, it just would not have been smart, especially coming up to the midterms, for you not to do so. Right. So with Obama and just that entire – because, you know, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of Clinton's um, – oh, man, uh, Clinton's Democratic wing of the party back in, like, 91, 92. I can't think of the name of it. But at any rate, they're basically conservative Democrats. Yeah. So – Born out of all of that is the ideology that Obama kind of operates on because it was successful for Clinton. So why can't it be successful for me? So if I'm going to make any adjustments with the argument that I always see in favor of Obama is what he was able to do behind the scenes. Like he pointed all these black judges and did that's great. Mm -hmm. I'm not, that's fantastic. However, to be the president is to know that nothing will fundamentally change. Biden said that. Right. I understood what he was saying, though. Yeah. Like, I know it ticked a lot of people off, but he's, you know, like, this isn't the institution you utilize to create any type of long. It's an institution. It can be. It can be, but nobody's going to do that. Nobody wants to rock the boat. No, not at all. You, is- you want that four to eight years, and then you just want to skate for the rest of your life. Right. It's This is not a this is not the institution to which fundamental change happens. It no. actually happens on the legislative and on the Supreme Court, yeah. honestly, 
what people don't realize it's the Supreme Court that has shifted the biggest change in this country. Yeah. The Warren Court. The Warren Court is the reason behind all of our biggest fundamental uh, civil rights uh, 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 laws. So, yeah, so... So, you- to that point, let me just finish that. Yeah, go ahead. Knowing that, and Obama is a constitutional scholar, mm-hmm. he would know that. I know that. So, mm-hmm. of course, he would know that. So, yeah. you would... It would even more be more reason to why I would want to put a person on there that is going to push the culture forward and push the push the world forward because they set law in this country more than a presidency ever will. Yep. I agree with you 100%. You know, like which is part of my issue with Obama. Mm. What you just said is that you could appoint somebody to the court who is going to ensure that you know, I, and I, I, maybe I shouldn't say intro, but we'll fight harder against, you know, invalidating certain sections of right. the Voting Rights Law or the Voting Rights Act, I should say. But I also think the court operates in phases. So we're in the like the last, what, 20 years, maybe since Bush maybe has been in office. Yeah. Like we've kind of been in this pro business phase. Yeah. And I, I've in, you know, Tim, Biden, yes, it, it goes back way, way further than that. But you had John Roberts, who yeah. Was I think they called him the most pro business um, advocate? I believe because he used yeah. to be a uh, an attorney for the Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it, the vast majority, if we're operating in the middle, yeah. so we know abortion, uh, the affirmative action cases that are coming up, yeah, before the Supreme Court, that gets all the attention, which it should, right? But the vast majority of the cases that they deal with, we never hear about. Right. 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 So if we're operating in the middle and we look at the vast, it's business, it's corporate law. So if you put some folks on the money. Supreme Court, it's money, money, that's, been, exa- that's m- all it is. Money has been the, the center of this of the Supreme Court for the last 20 plus years yeah. to the point where Citizens United open up the floodgates yes. of political, a political revolution in this country that we have never, we can't shut that door anymore. Dog. I think it was. Was it Roberts? I saw it was like he voted ninety something percent. Actually, I'm, I'm tripping. I got the stat pulled up, but it it went and it it showed us how much the court is. It's Roberts votes for the Chamber of Commerce seventy eight percent of the time. Sotomayor forty eight percent. That's almost half. So to me, at least, I understand where you know liberals are coming from. Where they say you know we we have Sotomayor, we had. Um, with Betty Ginsburg Kagan, or whatever, yeah. and Kay, all, all these folks that were, but they were still voting in favor with the chamber, yeah. which is to the detriment of not just the black community, but minorities and workers nationwide. Shout out to my boy Lyndon, who actually is going to disagree with this, but go ahead. <laughs> so yeah. if if we're looking at it from that perspective, then the folks that Biden, will, the black women that Biden will put up, are we only going to look at the color or are we actually going to look at how they plan to operate on the bench? Because if we go back and look at some of those cases, I can guarantee you the person that Biden picks is going to be pro-business. That's how Biden has operated his entire legislative career. So, and uh, I want to be clear, I'm not dissing anybody that Biden has picked. I have no clue who he's going to pick. I'm not I'm not putting this out to say I'm pre-dissing. No. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying... From the perspective of how we look at how the court operates, it's going to be somebody who's pro-business. So mm-hmm. with those those cases on the extreme, when it gets to affirmative affirmative action and abortion, which we know is coming up, that person is going to vote against it. Mm-hmm. 
So that's fine. Right. That's what we want them to do. We don't want but them to. But we're not talking about those cases. We're not we're, talking about those cases. Because we're talking about things that, that are the fundamental cases that are often don't get the first line, the first byline in the newspaper, the New York Times. It's just going to continue to get worse. Right. So, and I just want to give people, when I mentioned the Warren Court, I'm, yeah. I want to make sure everybody understands who Justice Warren was. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a, a quick detour of this, because I do want to get into like the fun, the yeah. black Supreme Court justice pick. Um, but um, Justice Warren, what people don't re- realize, he was the chief justice of the, of the California Supreme Court. And during that time, um, when he was the chief justice, the president, uh, there was a World War II was happening. And um, they issued a, uh, internment camps and he had Warren sign the order and he was so disgusted at the Ca- California Supreme Court justice pick he was so and he was considered a conservative judge mm-hmm. but he was so disgusted with himself inter- internally that he wrote in his own memoirs and his journals that nobody got privy to until after he died mm-hmm. that he said I would never make this I would never ever ever make this mistake again of my moral my moral mistake against when it comes to humanity and the law I will always push for humanity. So wow. then he was appointed to the Eisenhower appointed him to the um, Supreme Court as chief justice. Right. And they thought he was going to be this conservative benchmark. In reality, Warren pushed the court to the greatest push for civil rights initiatives ever on the court. It's considered the most liberal court. In the history of America, mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's a known fact, and in f- and really the fundamental because he remembered how he felt when he was a uh, chief Supreme Court justice at the in, in California. Mm-hmm. He it it was that experience that tethered him to his moral um, to his moral center and made him like I'm going to make sure that when it comes to human rights, uh, black 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 Americans are going to feel like. They're not second-class citizens. So, uh, can you stay there for a second? Yeah. Explain to me the difference in how a judge or an attorney operates or explains the difference between morality and the law. What do you mean? So, for instance, um, our state attorney here made the decision or announced the decision this past week that she was not going to charge the officer who killed the young man at the Florida Mall because they had evidence to show. So, she kept uh, harboring on the point that I disagree with this morally, but legally I'm bound to what we have in the law. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it <clears throat> is when we had Freddie Gray and he was murdered in Baltimore okay. and Marilyn Mosby came out and tried to charge the officers and that backfired. And we see that's been backfiring ever, ever since yeah, because right. they've been going after us. So, so how do you delineate or how do you make a difference between I'm reading this law this way, but morally, I know this is wrong. The law is reading a certain way that I'm I'm interpreting the law a certain way, but I know morally if I make this decision, then how do you? Because you're talking about on the executive function. Yes. Right. So state attorneys yep. can only operate in the executive. They, yes. They don't. Yes. They cannot, yes. you know, create the laws. Mm-hmm. They only can operate within the color framework of this law. I may not like it. But I don't control it. Mm-hmm. I can, and I may be able to get to the very, you know, get to the very line of it as far as where I where I want it to go. But mm-hmm. at some point, I still have to color within the box. Right. Where the Supreme Court justice, mm-hmm. 
can look at this box and be like, I'm gonna take my eraser and I'm a racist box. I'm turning okay, it into a circle. And that's what I that's what I was looking for. Yeah. And that how if, if I'm just a member of the voting public, which I am, right, and I can see that some of the decisions or some of the law that we've seen, it's like, well, that just didn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the Supreme Court and you got these justices that will look and you can have four of them. Five, whatever that are just like yeah yeah that's you're absolutely right this is and the other ones are like are you crazy right that's not how this is supposed to be interpreted and it's like well obviously this is subjective but how in the world do you get to a point if we're talking about morality and someone who's saying yeah the, the black people are never going to feel like second class citizens again mm-hmm. but we still have laws that are being interpreted that way so you're asking how I guess I'm trying to figure out because mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm answering this the right way. Mm-hmm. Are you asking me how does the the court reconcile that? Yes. Um, and how does the voter reconcile that? The, so the court can reconcile that by I guess it, it against comes down to the individual justice, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the individual justice will will look at that, look at a law, and be like, "This shouldn't be mm-hmm. what it is," mm-hmm. right? Voting rights shouldn't be what it is, or abortion, or whatever. Like whatever, how that based on their lived-in experiences. This is to your point, where we have to start looking at the fundamental lived-in experiences of these justices. That's where you're going. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, like that. That's I I, I just we want to peel back. Like it's one thing to check off boxes, but how did they live, and what what has infected their life to like. Be like, and infected could be whether good or bad, but what had or impacted their life is a better statement to the where it it's controls your internal narrative. You know what I mean? Like, what is that thing about you that says mm-hmm. Jason? You know, I know Jason's a lot of things, but I know what Jason's not going to do based on his lived-in experiences of his life. I wouldn't cheat on Janet Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I mentioned that, and I've been searching for, it and I can't find it, but somebody put together. A list of all the justices and where they went to school. Yeah, and like none of them went to a state school. Yeah, so I was gonna get. I'm gonna get to that. Okay, let's 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 get into this. So this this part of the program, I want to talk about the um, black women and the Supreme Court justice. And honestly, what I I'm I'm nervous about all of them. No, I'm not gonna get to that. I'm nervous about the. uh, And we can talk to. I can ask you why you're nervous about them, but. The concept of a black woman going to be up on on this stage and what's getting ready to happen. Mm-hmm. And I say all that to say, because I'm going to play a clip from um, Senator Blackburn out of Tennessee, how just so, two, three weeks ago, um, how there was a black man who was, you know, set to be appointed and Senator Blackburn railed against him for some stupid shit. This is how Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee questioned one of President Biden's judicial nominees today. Listen to this. On the eve of his hearing, it has been made public that he has a rap sheet with a laundry list of citations, including multiple failures to appear in court. In Tennessee, we expect our judges to respect the law, not disregard it. If Mr. Mathis thought he was above the law before. Imagine how he'll conduct himself is he, if he's confirmed as a federal judge. Rap sheet. I mean, if you're like me and you heard her say that, you might be thinking, what did this man do? So let me tell you about his, was the word rap sheet she used? 
So he apparently forgot to pay for three speeding tickets over 10 years ago. One, one, now brace yourself, one was for going five miles over the speed limit. And by the way, Mathis, the man you see here, he's from Tennessee, the state that Blackburn represents. And listen to how he had to respond. I highly regret uh, um, that I'm in this situation. Uh, I feel like I've embarrassed my my family. Um, And I truly regret that. Uh, Wow. I deserve this. They don't. I can assure the committee that I'm a law-abiding citizen. Uh, I've never been arrested. I've never been, been charged with a crime. You shouldn't be embarrassed or regret. I mean, he's not the one who should be embarrassed about the way you handled this situation. And I want to bring in now uh, the former NAACP president and CEO, Cornell William Brooks, because I can imagine, Cornell, I can almost predict what your reaction was. I almost called you to be like, did you see this just now? What's your reaction to that? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was extraordinarily uh, painful to watch as an American and as an African-American and certainly as a black man. Why? Because here we have the first woman elected to the United States Senate from the state of Tennessee, humiliating, denigrating, demeaning a black man who has the opportunity to be the first black man to serve on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. She refers to some uh, less than a handful of speeding tickets as a rap sheet. Now, you know, Laura, one out of every three American adults has a criminal record. That is to say a record of arrest. Seventy seven million people. And he's not one of them. He's not one of those people, though. That's exactly it. That is exactly it. And so we know that this notion, this invoking of a rap sheet invokes an ugly history of criminalizing and stereotyping and degrading black people. So in the context of a judicial nomination hearing, he is surrounded by his family and literally he is humiliated, almost reduced to tears in front of his children. This is this is uh, this is conduct unbecoming of a United States senator and surprising. Because and you know, so. I played that, that clip mm-hmm. a little longer than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to let it right. It, it goes on for like three or four minutes, yeah. but <clears throat> there's a lot of things to pull from that, right? A whole lot. Um, the thing was, was fascinating, but wasn't surprising, was there was a sociological thing that Blackburn was doing, psychologically too. Uh, she was, number one, trying to bring him to a heel. Yes. You know? And it's... It's shown that, especially for black men, you know, they want to detooth the tiger, mm-hmm. you know, in order to make them realize, like, your placement. Like, I, you, you know, you, we're not, I don't want you, I don't want you to be bold. I don't want you to be, you know, to be strong. I want you to to cower. Yep. And the fact that she brought that man to tears mm-hmm. at a confirmation hearing in front of his family is an experience that his, his children are going to have to see for the rest of their lives. And it was it was done to humiliate him. She did her job. She did her job. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we talked about lived in experiences. Funny thing about Blackburn. This is the same senator who used her title to get out of a damn t- uh, ticket. <laughs> right? 
So people. So the thing about she actually said she, and it came out like she used her title to get out of a speeding ticket, yeah. right? So it's for her to have the audacity to take a speeding ticket and turn it quote unquote into a rap sheet was not done because she she knows the final one difference between a rap sheet and a and a speeding ticket. You know who she has the audacity of? What Jermaine Dupri. <laughs> she, she has so, the, listen, <laughs> we're not getting into that right now. That's another pod. She uh, has but the audacity of Jermaine Dupri, man. But listen, I like I I want to I I just want to to stay in the the pocket of like, yeah. you know, this was done in order to send a psychological message, mm-hmm. right? Not because this man wasn't uh, didn't have the the credentials, and then you don't belong here. You don't belong here. Yeah, you're not. You're not. You are not. Um, uh, 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 you don't meet the standard. You don't. You don't meet the standard, and that is a that is the thing. Like no matter how accomplished you are, because think about it. For somebody to be considered for the Supreme Court justice, I mean, for a, a appellate judge, you have to meet a professional standard. Yes. Locally. Yes. You know, and statewide, and for her to say, like, even with all your accomplishments, you're still a boy to me. And so that's where I look at it. And if you think I'm bugging, if you think I am bugging, I just wanted to play you a clip of how Blackburn talked about Justice Kavanaugh. Check out her tone. I had to find this one. We have spent enough time and money trashing a good man and his name. He is on the Supreme Court. Justice Kavanaugh is an honorable man. He is doing a an honorable job on the Supreme Court. So, you know, check out the context of how she talks about one a white man and then a black man. You know? I, I, okay, so I, I think that the way we view these things, you know, for that man to cry and for his kids to, to experience that and see that, and to your point, they're going to have to live with that for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Like, she did that on purpose, obviously, to humiliate him, but emasculate him. In front of his family But also she knew What she was doing That was gonna go On NBC And go viral And now It's not just A local it, It's Nationwide now Right To where this man Has been to your point Brought to heel Right So I think When we talk about Progress And how We Collectively Have progressed mm-hmm. That's not true We Haven't done anything what do black people need to progress on when it comes to how we operate within a white society? Mm. Nothing. Cause we didn't create it. Mm. White people have not. Let me take that back. White people have progressed to a point to where they can be chastised publicly for something, for making a comment like that, but nothing professionally is going to happen to them because they are still in the process, not even in the process. You're upholding a system that you've created for yourself Mm -hmm. and not for anybody else, especially a Negro to penetrate. Right. So I think when we see and hear things like this, and this is no judgment toward that man. Honestly, I, I hope that he's okay. Well, they, listening to and that. they had a stay of they haven't even voted to appeal appoint him yet. Mm-hmm. They had a stay. They had a stay. So it, that his vote is still nomination still pending mm-hmm. until the Senate comes back to the floor. That's the, that's the bullshit. Whereas Trump, they rubber stamped these justices. Every single thing. Yeah. Where you know, not not saying that he knew this was going to happen, but you know, when you get to a certain level, 
in the back of your mind, you you're thinking like they about to something rip, like yes, they about to wreck me through the cold. Like no matter what it is, that man had a speeding ticket, right? And five he, miles over the speed limit, and he probably know why he was pulled over. Into Absolutely, the and right. she used that against him. Right, use his blackness against him. That's the thing. And let me tell you the the whole thing about what was interesting. Just go about the background into where we're going to the Supreme Court. The black women, like she knew. That having somebody with that type of experience mm-hmm. is going to have an indelible effect on how he views cases in that circuit. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That, that's the problem she has. Mm-hmm. The problem is not that she, that, you know, his credentials. The problem is he lived in experiences. And that's how, and that bothers her because now we're going to have somebody who has a context of what, what does it mean to be stopped, you know, driving while black. So let me ask you this. Just stay in here for a second. Mm-hmm. Going back to the lived in experience. If you have a judge, and I'm not using him, just as an example, you got a black judge who has had the same type of experience this young man or this gentleman has had mm. versus an experience of a black man walking outside your office that might be sagging a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like he's probably had some run-ins with the law through his fault and through no fault of his own. Mm-hmm. Is it the lived experience that she's afraid of from that young man that's walking in front of your office or skip gates? Remember when Obama came out when Skip Gates was going up to his house or, oh, yeah. and he was he forgot his key or something. He was trying to get through the window. They called the police on him. And, mm-hmm. you know, Obama went on what yeah. had a press conference and yeah. talked about his friend and all of that. Yeah. Those are the same but different, if you understand what I'm saying. The experience is the same on the surface. Mm-hmm. What happened after is completely different. So what I mean is when I'm going back to there have been no Supreme Court justices over the last 50 years who've gone to a state school. They've all gone to right. Harvard Law, Yale Law, all these Ivy League institutions. Mm-hmm. So the experience is going to be totally different, mm-hmm. which means that Skip can call his friend Obama or if his right. friend Obama sees it, he knows his friend Obama is going to go to bat for him. Right. You and I may see that young man get accosted by the cops. Mm-hmm. Who's he going to call? So what I mean by that is our experiences are the same, but the fallout can be totally different. So is she afraid of what he's going to bring toward the court or is she afraid? Yes. Or is she in in addition to that? Is she also afraid that the face and the look of how these things have been operating over the last thousand years or whatever are going to push people like her out of the way? Yes, too. Yeah. Yes. On, you know. All of the above, right? Multiple choice, all of the above. So let me just go just a little bit deeper. Yeah, yeah. In that, that's where it ends. Mm -hmm. Once he's accosted, this young man outside, this is all hypothetical. Once he's accosted police, he goes on about his life. Mm -hmm. Or the cops go on about their lives. But he is living with that anger, knowing that me just walking down the street means that I could be accosted. That man, that black man that you just played has the same fear and probably the same Type of anger mm-hmm. But again the fallout is different So who are we representing Meaning that young man who probably I don't know needs some type of You know you could say intervention service Needs a mentoring program that the, All these things that we usually throw out to fix right. What's happening in our inner cities When we know that it's usually a policy decision right. That creates communities that um, that have situations like that flourish where a young man can go out and get accosted by the cops. Mm-hmm. So is it that we are picking people based off of what they see and what they have on paper 
that yeah, and I'll I'll even throw Alicia into this or Alicia into this when she went to the courthouse. Like right. all of that is terrible. Right. All of it. We should not still be experiencing that. But the fallout of it is going to be different. So right, because we, she was actually featured in the New York Times. She was featured in the New York Times. And that's right. no I love Alicia. Alicia. That's that's no diss to her. Right. But I'm saying is the representation a shout out to my, my girl Alicia Addison. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Is the representation a man who may end up going to a federal court compared to a man who may end up one day in a federal courthouse going to prison for a crime that could be something as simple. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but something as simple as him going five miles over the speed limit. Like, do you understand what I'm attempting to say that we, we, our representation usually ends on the surface that we don't usually dig deeper to figure out how that lived experience is actually going to impact how that judge or how that senator or how that council person is going to view and operate on the behalf of the whole and not just a few. I actually think it, I think I, I, I do believe it impacts to where they would view um, the law and experiences and uh, anything, mm-hmm. uh, uh, quote unquote, a crime or civil, right. whatever, through the prism of their own life. And let's say take, we take somebody like, you know, my sister, uh, Alicia. Yeah. You know, um, that incident, you know, is provided that one of many contextual things that I know when we have our private conversation, mm-hmm. which colors how she sees the law and society. And it's just terrible. And man. so she so she practices mm-hmm. with the humanity of always trying to look for her clients. Best because interest. she knows what that experience because is. Because she knows what that experience Absolutely. is like that. And so you, you know, you, you take that extrapolate like that onto somebody like who gets onto the bench. Mm-hmm. Why it's so important, mm-hmm. and so we go, we go, now pivoting into the black women being on the court. Number one, again, I am really not excited about how they're going to drag whomever this black woman is. Oh, because you know it's coming. It's coming, you and it's going to be bad and ugly. You know, if you think Anita Hill was bad, right? It's going to be awful. Which is funny thing is because you know who was the chair of the um, <laughs> of that judicial committee at that time? Uh, Joseph Robinette Biden. Yes. You know, and so. Um, Who and, still has not properly apologized, and <laughs> you know, just for not for nothing. But people don't realize that that was a Democratic-led yeah. Senate in Congress, yeah. and they still appointed Clarence Thomas. Yes, the fuck. So, <laughs> so like, like I, that is just an embarrassment. Oh goodness! They appointed Clarence Thomas to take over Thurgood Marshall's seat. They should have. That they should have. I don't even get it. I don't want to get into that. But that's isn't that a possibility now? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But look, listen, but but I, okay. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're, you're I, 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 the the overall point that I was attempting to make is that sometimes I think we get caught up in the show of things mm-hmm. instead of actually looking at the tokenism. Yeah. We get caught up into we so get, so when this black woman does eventually get dragged because we know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Are we going to coalesce behind this person because they are good and black or just because they're black? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do either. Mm. If, if, if we are going to coalesce behind someone because they are getting dragged by Republicans and because we do need to protect a black woman, I won't be mad at you for that because I understand how this system works. Mm-hmm. I would appreciate if we would go a step further and and look at it and say, OK, well, I've seen that record and. I'm gonna support. I'm, I'm going to protect you because of what they're saying. But if we start talking about your record or the cases that I have concerns about, you know, you just pulled a Kamala. You know that, T- right? Tell me how. What, what I do? No, no. You just you're. Just, I'm saying you're in. 
you're um, invoking a Kamala uh, oh, okay. appeal. I got you. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. You know, absolutely. Like you're invoking that Kamala because there are people who are like I don't, I don't like the way she operates on certain. But she black, so and she has sisters, so we're gonna we're we gonna, gonna ride. Rich, but I'm gonna we, stick beside her. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so. but we know that's coming. We know it's coming. We know no matter who it yeah. is, we know that yeah. it's going to be a battle. Yeah. When I heard Chuck Schumer say, "Yeah, we're going to operate in the same thirty day No, y'all ain't. Y'all ain't going to get some pass in thirty days. No, you're not. Absolutely not. If no, anything, we're going to come up to midterms, and that woman is still going to be waiting because Democrats have no strategy whatsoever on how to push this woman forward. They couldn't even get rid of the filibuster to get that man's Build Back Better plan passed. Right. By the way, I won't. My child tax credit money to start back again in February, <laughs> Joe. Um, we and didn't, also, you didn't do it, Joe. <laughs> also, I want my six hundred dollars that I'm still missing when you promised two thousand, Joe. But at any rate, um, we did it. We did it, Joe. <laughs> Where's my money, Joe? <laughs> so, but look, listen. Oh goodness. Listen. Um, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, you're right. I don't. I don't see how this goes without a bloody fest, right? Um, mm-hmm. the, the, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no I was just going to say what you just said. I don't see this going without a bloody, without there being some bloodshed. We'll pick somebody that we can fully support. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you can. This person has been great. This person has a case. You know, they've decided on some cases that have been in favor of the working man and woman, specifically for black folk. Or whatever the case may be. And that would make it much easier for the entire black community to support it. You're still gonna have some misogynists out there. You're still gonna have a lot of sexism. Not saying that we're that we're not going to have that. And honestly, part of that is gonna come from your own people. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of black men who are just like, I don't think a black woman should be on the Supreme Court. Facts. I mean, that's fact that I agree with that. But yeah, me right. that Let me clear yeah, that up. Yes, bullshit. That, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we know that that's coming. Yeah. So in addition to that, it can't just be, well, did you go to Harvard or did you go to so-and-so? I didn't, but I can tell you X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, did you decide on this case? Did you decide on that case? It can't just be caseload. So here's, the, here's where I want, and I, want to, I want to stay in that space. Because I'm, I'm, we looked at the list, that, um, and I'm just going to read off the, the names. Um, Candace Jackson Akumaye. Um, yeah. J, uh, J. Mitchell, Ch- Michelle Childs, Holly Thomas, Sharon Eiffel, yep. um, Leandra Kruger, and Kajana Brown Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody except for one person on that. Well, Sharon Eiffel, she went to Vassar. I guess that's still a that's still a great school. I think she's more of the working woman right. type. That. And then J, J., uh, J. Michelle Childs went to the University of Florida. Yeah, I do like the picture they used for her though. Cause she looks like try me, try me, yeah. Um, I don't know if Sharon Eiffel gets it. And I don't think I don't James think she will. So now it comes down to um, Kajana Brown, Jackson, Leandra Kruger, Candace Jackson, and Holly Thomas. I think the person we're looking at is going to be Leandra Kruger. She was on. She's been on the bench for a while since 2015, and she has the quote unquote um, bones to push through as far as. A justice, right? You know, she went to Harvard mm-hmm. and Yale. But what the fascinating thing is, we still uphold these institutions as the yep. preeminent barometer of legal 
excellence. Kind of have to. We not, have not to? saying we isn't black people. Right. I mean, it's it, that's Harvard Law, Yale, Yale Law. Yeah. It's part of the institution. Right. So as long as the institution, which is white, as long as that continues to be the majority mm-hmm. and the majority, then yeah, that that that's what they look to as this is the highest of high. Can't right. get any higher than Harvard or Yale right. or Columbia or you know whatever school. Mm-hmm. When we know that there are some law schools out there that mirror mm-hmm. or maybe are even better as far as putting out lawyers. Yes, right. right. And it's it's fascinating because there was a movie on Netflix called um, Don't Look Up. Yeah, I saw that. And one of the things that I thought was fascinating was how the conversation surrounding. Well, you just went to Michigan State. You don't know what you're talking about. Yep. Listen, I'm gonna, we're going to talk to our guys who went to yep. Harvard and mm-hmm. Yale. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to tell us. Mm-hmm. And then somebody would be like, well, actually, Michigan State has a great astronomy program. But <laughs> yeah, but that that didn't, it couldn't even reach that place yep. because it didn't. Because there's a form of elitism. There's elitism yes. that we they had to check off the box Absolutely. in order to take your opinion yes. serious. Yeah. And so we're still, to your point, upholding institutions and the institutionalized white framework of acceptance. When we say things like, well, they went to these schools, therefore they they meet the criteria. They're automatically good, right? They automatically they meet the criteria. Mm-hmm. Whereas, well, no, they meet the criteria because of their work, mm-hmm. because of their output, yeah, because of their humanity, because of you know their reputation. Yeah. Those four things make a difference, but it's like we can't even get to that spot because we still are looking at the parameters of again. This goes into white supremacy of these things, institutions of being the preeminent ideas of of. Of, uh, of of thought, you know the preeminent thought thought institutions, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it I I just don't and, and well you know what and, and going back to the earlier point, would someone from a Barry Law School get confirmed? No, no one from FAM. You know what is the thing about I loved about um, Andrew FSU Gillum? Law School. No, right. So you, 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 what I, thing I love about Andrew Gillum's campaign when he came within twenty thousand votes. Um, what I loved about it was that he came from FAMU mm-hmm. and the empowerment of having a governor mm-hmm. come from, from an HBCU. HBCU in the state, in the state mm-hmm. would have one of the best in the country would have spoke yeah. immeasurable, would have made a, it made an immeasurable statement. Yeah. And this concept of like we end up electing a governor who and they always go back to his well he went to Yale and then he went to you know he was a military um the uh uh he was in the navy or the, something yeah like that. the yeah. Uh, naval academy yeah. you know and, and so they they always go into to highlight how intelligent he is he's a stupid man he's a stupid motherfucker yeah right and so but that's how they block like us challenging his intelligence mm-hmm. based off of these you know superficial idea ideals of education. Yeah. And that's a problem I have in this. That's one of the problems I have in this country mm-hmm. where we can't peel away a layer of humanity and, and real and, and look into the individual because they have to fit a certain archetype. Intelligence doesn't come from college or high school or I guess there, there's a certain And that's not disrespecting the, the women on the bench. Not at all. To, I'm not disrespecting that. I think for all of those women that are being, uh, their names are being floated. Mm-hmm. Number one, God bless you, because even just your name being floated, they're already putting up a position paper as to why you should not. They're probably digging through your trash right now mm-hmm. trying to figure out what is wrong in your life 
or what can be considered wrong to white people that's going on in your life that we can utilize against you. So really, they're going to weaponize your experiences against you. Everything. So yeah. God bless them because what they're about to go through is, is some hell. And there probably are might be a couple that say it's too much. I want this. Right. I'm, I'm pulling my name out. So they went to Sotomayor's taxes, bruh. And they like, and they went through her and said, like, you can't afford to pay. Listen, but you know what's fascinating about that one? You know who they didn't do that to? Kavanaugh. We still ain't figured out who paid that man's credit card debt. We don't know who paid his. We don't know who paid his credit card debt Mm -hmm. and paid off his house. Well, we know who did it. We just don't know who did it. Right. This man had a million dollar debt. Yep. And someone paid it off before the confirmation hearing. Yep. They, Crazy. They went through Sotomayor's. <laughs> they t- they talked about how she owed in student loans. Yep. Man, listen. So you see, you already know it's about to be some bullshit. Yeah. Like, they, and what's so crazy <laughs> is that she wouldn't have any of that, any of those problems if it wasn't for white supremacy. Yeah. So it's it's like the dichotomy that you have in your head about what I need to do professionally. To get accepted to these institutions so that I can be looked upon as a subject matter expert, as a top attorney, as a, you know, political genius, whatever your field may be. I still have to, in some form or fashion, I still got to assimilate. Yeah. And when I do, the way that I do so, they're going to pick it apart to say, well, I don't like the way you did. Like, I have to do that. So, no, I don't. Student loan debt. Like right. you got student loan debt, I got credit card debt. That's much better than student loan debt. Yeah. Because not only because it's credit card debt, which means that I can finance whatever lifestyle I have, mm-hmm. somebody gonna pay it off. Right. For you? Like, uh. Mm-hmm. So when these six black women that you just mentioned, when they have to go through the rigors of what this is eventually going to look like, because listen, Kavanaugh was bloody too. I knew he was going to, like, we all, I think, knew that he was going to get confirmed. But it wasn't as if that was something soft. Right. This is going to be ten times worse. So, here's the thing about Kavanaugh, though. The basis of his his whiteness protected him. Absolutely. Because he was never going to be challenged. You know, they, this, the Kavanaugh thing still doesn't make a lot of sense. It's no like a lot of things. Money controlled all of that. Like it made a lot of it didn't make any sense. Amy Cohen Cohen Barrett didn't make any sense. No, they pushed her in twenty seven days. Money controlled all of that. So, with to Kavanaugh to that point, she was. I mean, he was uh, voted fifty to forty eight. Mm-hmm. That's how close it was. Yeah, Barrett was fifty two to forty eight. Um, Sotomayor was sixty eight to thirty one. Mm-hmm. Kagan was sixty three to thirty seven. Um, obviously Garland didn't get a vote. You know, <laughs> but uh, Justice Thomas was 52 to 48. Funny thing about Justice Thomas, though, people don't remember this, but there were black people on the Democratic side. was like, all right, enough is enough. You're, now you're making, you're trying to embarrass this black man. People don't, that's, Crazy, a, right? that's a funny thing people to talk about that history. There were black people mm-hmm. who were like going up and defending this man, you know, be like, we can't, we don't want to embarrass him anymore. That shows you how deep that cuts. That's how deep it is. That you know that this you are opposed to this man. Yeah. Every but whenever you see a black man or yeah. a black person start to get embarrassed by white people, we be like, all right, enough. Like, all, right, all right, okay, I I get it. Right. Because you understand what that means. Right. If a black once this black woman, yeah, starts to get cut down because we know that she will. Yeah. 
what is that protection going to look like? Because I, and and I, I want to be clear, whoever whomever this black woman turns out to be needs to be protected. Yes, not saying that they shouldn't. Right. But my question is, what is that going to look like from the democratic side of things? Because this is politics. Like I, I think there there needs to be a really clear understanding that the first person they put up could be a smokescreen. Mm. It could be someone that they know is not going to get through a confirmation here is going to get beat up so bad that the second person they put up, this person is much easier. We just went through this this fight. Is who we really wanted anyway. Mm-hmm. This person is much easier for y'all to confirm. What happens? How I like I I I guess go, especially coming up to the summer and getting deep into the midterms. What is that protection going to look like? And what I mean by that, how hard are we willing to go to protect the black woman? But also, you know, this is going to be, we got to protect the party mm-hmm. and the administration. Mm-hmm. Can you split all three of those? I don't think you can. So I think what, we, what you're talking about is to what level are we going to, are we going to you know, circle the wagons? Yes. Right. And just to add this to it, what level are we going to circle the wagons? But how much of this is going to be? What is Biden? How much political capital is Biden willing to? Ex- he's gonna. Ha- he's gonna have it's to. Gonna have to be all of it. He's got to be all of it. He's gonna have to extend all of it because black women put him in office. Yeah. And so he cannot. He can't. Like build back better was needed, but you know what? First of all. Build Back Better was really one of the most fundamental fucked up messagings I've ever seen. (laughs) I hate that phrase, man. So, another thing. God, this is probably a whole other podcast because we've already gotten an hour over this. But um, I was really, I'm going to, we're getting back to uh, um, Supreme Court justice. I just want to delineate for a second. The thing about Build Back Better was really fascinating. It was just how poorly they got messaging done. Yeah. And I was having this conversation with somebody at the time when everything was, I was like, bro, like Republicans would have bodied this shit. Oh, they, they would have bodied this messaging because you go to Walmart, you go to Target, hell, you go to Publix. There's the shelves are empty. Like you, I was, I remember I was trying to buy Capri Suns and they had, they had in Publix, you only can buy two boxes of Capri Suns. They had to put a limit on it. They had to put a limit on Capri Suns, my guy. Yep. And so I said to myself, like, this is kitchen table. This is a kitchen table issue. And they owned it, too, because they kept saying, this is what socialism is going to look like. And I'm thinking, this is what capitalism is, dog. Bro, this is like if Biden and a Democrat, this is why they should hide, they should hire a black man with some experience, you know, <laughs> uh, some lived in experiences. Right. If messaging is important because they literally could have said, this is not a build back better. This is a kitchen table. And it had a Republicans try to challenge that. But like, look at these Republicans trying to tell you that your kitchen, the things on your kitchen table are not important. You don't have enough meat. You don't have enough Capri Suns for your kids' lunch yeah. boxes. You don't have enough cheese. And that message just still would have worked because it's only been, what, 360-something days that he's been in office? Right. So it it I'm, still, I'm still trying to fix this fuck up who was in office before. I'm still right. trying to fix his issues. Right. And part of that was a slowdown in the supply chain, and now we have all these issues to where you cannot get the things that you need to take care of your family. It should, have been the, it should not have been the bill back better. Yeah. It should have been had, this is the kitchen, ta- kitchen table bill. Mm-hmm. 
Let somebody would have challenged the kitchen table bill. Yeah. What would what have been in your argument? Yeah, man. They couldn't have. They wouldn't had. An, they could have created one, but you would have had the inside lane because everybody, right, left, middle, has a kitchen table. And guess what? They still want to be able to shop for their kids. Build back better sounds like a Fifth Avenue slogan. It sounds. It sounds yeah. like you got some high level ad agency yeah. and said this, we're going to go with a triple B build back better. Like it's. This is what happens when you Better have people. Business bureau, dog. Better business bureau, right? <laughs> this is what happens when you have people who don't have limited experiences yeah. creating messaging and policy. This goes back to the fundamental concept of the Supreme Court justice. While it's important to figure out who are these people mm-hmm. that we're going to be pushing on, in, on this on this seat. What are they about? What is their fundamental principle? What is their lived experiences? Yeah. Because it's our experiences that helps us relate to the, the to the world. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And, and so, I'm. Again, I'm fascinated by this because I really want to see how this is going to play out. And, you know, not for nothing, though, it's a shame that people, we're going to have to validate the professional uh, pedigree of these women, you know, when their counterparts never have to have go through that same. That's the other thing about it. Right. Makes it even more difficult to stomach because. You know a lot of these white historically just on the Supreme Court. This even on the even on was, the appellate and circuit bench, this was, institution which has always been bullshit. Number one, right? Not not saying that if you get on the Supreme Court that is. I'm saying the way that you know we kind of operate. You know, you go to this the highest court in the land or whatever to decide if I get to have my humanity. Right. That's some bullshit. Right. However, to your point, you have all these deeply. By the standards of the institution, deeply qualified black women who are going to be chastised could be because of one mispayment on a student loan or whatever. Right. Could have been a missed car payment. Could have right. been a, a uh, somebody came and reposed your shit when life you had happened. no money. Right. Life. Just because of life, because of the things that these white men that are sitting on the bench probably put in place. Right. And have have participated in have participated in have gotten money off of have gotten rich from that these black women are going to have to sit through to listen to them chastise their lives and you cannot give them the type of attitude for lack of a better term deserved you, attitude deserved attitude that you know that they want to give mm-hmm. that's why I say what type of protection is going to be put up because it's going to be needed. To listen to these unqualified white folk mm-hmm. tell you why you aren't qualified to be led into an institution that they still control. So, I'm going to play a clip. Um, Made me think about when you talk about white men mm-hmm. and mediocrity. So, for your current book, Mediocre, which is about the dangers of white male mediocrity. Talk me through what that means. Absolutely. So this was a book kind of written out of frustration. If you write on issues of race and gender in America, especially since 2016, you see all these think pieces. You know, why is Chad so angry? Why is this white man so upset? And what I wanted people to look at was the political structure behind the time that we're in. I wanted people to understand that this rise in like, you know, hate-filled, racist, violent, white male political ideology is by design. And so I wanted people to look at that because we have to change how we act and what we value as a society if we want to solve this problem. So that's really what we're looking at is a history in America 
of how we have actually made it beneficial or at least seem beneficial to white men to act like the only definition of success is power over women and people of color and really what it's cost us over multiple generations. So, when I, first of all, when I, what'd you get from that? I saw you were like really that click. Yeah, she ain't lying. Like, yeah. you know, I, I think, and that was just me hearing a clip of it, so I'm sure the book is, but I mean, listen, man, we had a president once that died because he drank too much milk and ate too many cherries. Now, granted, that was hundreds of years, you know, over 100 years ago. Right. But I think it just speaks to, for white men specifically, you do whatever the fuck you want to do in this country. Yeah. And you can be as mediocre as you want to be and still get to the highest heights right. of what this world has to offer, all because of what you look like. Whereas with us... It has to be you. You got to be spotless, man. You That's gotta, so okay. So I'm glad you said that because it's like I remember when again. This is long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Not a long time ago, but Kamara history. Long <laughs> um, when I thought about running for a, a seat, mm-hmm. and I actually had a. I'm not going to mention this person's name, but I had a meeting with a significant political yeah. person. Sat me down for breakfast, and I was talking to them about this, you know, what I want to do. Right. And they were like, "Well, talk me through your history." He's the black person, and um, they said I told them about what I, you know, think about doing. And I said, "You know, I had a short sale. I wanted to let you know I had some financial issues. I'm very open about that shit. Yeah. You know, struggled, you know, years ago." And the person leaned back in the seat like, ah. That's not good. And he said, "You know, they're going to use that against you." I, I don't think I don't think that would be a good thing for you to run. Mm-hmm. That stuck with me. And then it wasn't until like a year or so later I thought about it. Two years later, three—I don't know—I was like, "But why was that such a bad thing?" Shit is life. Why wouldn't it have been? Why I would let them campaign against me having a short sale, a short sale, yeah. and me having a car repossessed. Yeah. I would have owned that because you know what? I'm going to cook them. That's why. I'm going to cook them because you know why? Because my lived experiences relate to a lot more people who went through life pristine. Yep. I'm allowed to fail. I'm allowed to have quote unquote blemishes on my record because I've walked through this life. Show me a person doesn't have a scar in life. And I'll tell you, they've been wrapped in bubble wrap of their own existence. And it's fascinating that it was a, black person who told sat across from me and told me your lived experiences is something that's going to hurt you yeah. not embolden you Isn't that crazy th- it's crazy but that's the way and i don't blame this person mm-hmm. i don't blame them because they were trying to give me the best advice for yeah. what they understand they understand, the, how, this game works. They understand how the game they understand how the yeah. world works but that's really insane it's insane that something that happened because of life right and some of these things that we experience or that we go through or that we utilize have been put in place to help us. Right. But if you want to do a certain thing in, in life, that thing that was supposed to put in place to help you can be used against you. Bro. That. It's the, those, that experience, among other things, has patterned the way I see the world and people mm-hmm. about grace, 
about life, how I look at people in financial. I don't judge. You know what I mean? Like that lived experience. It's like I look at those things and it, it colors me and how I see how one you could you're one or two mispayment. We're all one or two mispayments from slipping. Like you mean our we lose our job. You know, done. We're done. You know, done out here in these streets. And so, like, I understand these things because of those experiences. And you know, I'm going to play this clip from um, legendary coach John Thompson that I think is appropriate. Uh, to speak on what Mr. Dooley said, you know what I have a problem with? I have a problem with the John Thompsons and Tubby Smiths of society. I'm sick of them. Why? I'm sick of them. And I'm going to tell you why I'm sick of them. Is simply because there are a whole lot of white coaches who aren't successful. Blacks don't have to win the national championship to get an opportunity to coach. And, 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 and I have... That, you hear that in relation to education, you hear that in relation to professors. You ask, why don't you have more, more black professors? I will take a black if he's competent. Well, hell, there's a hell of a lot of whites failing. All we want is an opportunity to get out there and to try and a right to fail also. And, and respectfully, I'm saying that to you, not, not, not saying it. You know, I, I'm sick of us having to be perfect to get the job. I don't want to be perfect to get the job. Be perfect to get the job There's a part in that clip That always sticks with me When he says I say that to you respectfully <laughs> He still had to say that He, he wasn't to, saying anything controversial but, but he, still he just won a fair shot He still had to say I say that to you respectfully Because right. he still knows right. As big and as intimidating right. As big John Thompson was right. The man that had the sweat towel over his yeah, shoulder Yeah yeah he still knew in the back of his mind, I still got to play this right. Right, because I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm, that audience, if you look, when I pulled the clip, it's, he's in the- Donahue? Uh, no, he's- Salad Jesse Raphael. It, it was one of them old school shows. But he had a, he was, it was in a completely white audience. Yeah. And he, he, he could not be- Could not be completely honest. Completely authentic. He was as, as authentic as he could be at that mm-hmm. moment. But I thought was like, I'm allowed to not be perfect in order to still get the job. Yep. You know, but that's not, but that sort of principle doesn't apply to black people and especially to black women, right? They, they're not allowed to be perfect. They're not allowed to be, uh, they're not, not, not allowed to not be perfect. That's a double negative, but you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I've come to the point, in, at least in my thinking, it never will be. And, and, I, and I don't mean that in terms of because we have folks who are not working mm-hmm. on our behalf to get it that way. Mm-hmm. It just never will be because the system that we currently have in place will not allow for it to happen. Right. We're going to have to burn this thing down. And I don't mean we as in black folk. You see white people burning this shit down right now. Yeah. It's going to have to all be alleviated mm-hmm. in order for there to be some form of fairness inserted. Because right. anytime you have a black person that succeeds or get to the point of Obama or and I'm just using him as an example that you think about it, whereas even in his post-presidency life, mm-hmm. there still is a level of perfection, almost. Right. He's still in really good shape. Right. He can't, let, he can't allow himself. He can't, can't allow himself to even, if he takes his shirt off now, people still go crazy because he still has a six-pack. 
Like it's that type of perfection That's still ingrained in his mind Even Michelle Obama When the last time You seen a bad picture Of either one of them Right they can't they, They're not allowed to walk Outside of the, the prism of imperfection Exactly And that's insane man Like do you know how crazy that is Right Even to think about it Dog that you cannot leave your house right. Without makeup or just You know now granted I understand When you get into that form Or you get to that level You know You have a lot of privileges That are afforded to you mm-hmm. However to think and to know that even just a, I cannot, I can't even be seen with another woman, right? Because it may, oh, he cheated on Michelle. So here's the thing, right? It's it's fascinating because when he was when he was running, one of the things we said internally within Black folk was that, man, they got the right one because he ain't got nothing on his record, and you know they looked, dog, they got the right one because they ain't nothing in that man's record. To come back and hurt him. Look, man, th- there's a cat around here um, that told me when I first got into politics down here, mm-hmm. it was two things he told me, um, but two have always stuck with me. One is that Orlando's a town, which is absolutely true. Yeah. And the second one is that for the majority of the politicians that at least have power, you have to be selected before you're elected. That's and absolutely good true. God, if that isn't the truth, it's man. It's the truth. You got to be tapped. Absolutely Like because they are going to That's why That's why I mentioned What type of protection They're going to get Because the first person They put up May not be the one That they want Meaning that's not The selected person And you know what That goes into that conversation That this person Had with me Who's a pretty Big mm-hmm. figure Within the state He wasn't going to tap me Because I've already been vetted Yeah And they were like No nah, he For whatever reason That wasn't It wasn't my record That was It wasn't my past It was I don't want I don't want this is not the one. It's crazy. This is not the one. Because you agree, you have to be, now as we work, you and I um, navigate through these political circles, yeah. if you're not tapped, like on some, it's hard, it's a hard push up that, hard boulder to push up that hill. I, I, I just think that sometimes the answers are directly in our faces. Mm-hmm. Like with Gillum, you know. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me nobody knew? <laughs> we all knew though. Exactly. We all knew. They knew too. So when DeSantis was, when they were battling and, you know, all this criticism came, you know, to Gillum about why didn't you spend it $3 million or however much money it was. Which was really bullshit because, especially John Morgan, because he's never asked his money back. I can go down a list of politicians who he's given a lot of money to, who they didn't spend the money. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. he never asked for that money back. But with Gillum, he wanted that money back. It was also a way for John Morgan to stay in the news. Yeah, but anyway, keep going. But DeSantis didn't really, to me, he didn't campaign that strong. No. To me, he didn't. Mm-mm. So that signaled, like, yeah, they ain't worried, dog. Mm-mm. They know how this is going. We, we know we know what the trends have been. Right. Even ever since Alex Sink, it just the margins keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but not small enough to where they're going to lose. Right. So... When you say, you know, you got to be selected for elected, like, yeah, w- what position would we have been in if Gillum would have been picked? He would have shifted the entire fundamental of the state. I know that for a fact. I mean, just off the things that they were talking about internally, replacing the old guard on a lot of different agencies. Yeah, man. So it would have been crazy. So, you know, and that even goes to the point of when I hear people say, you know, well, change is slow or, you know, change comes in like an ocean liner. I, I believe that for the longest I'm like yeah change does That's bullshit though Change happens as quickly as we want it to When I say I'm, Again when I, I say we I'm I talking agree. about white folk I ain't talking about us Specifically But if we want something to change mm-hmm. 
we would get it done if we really want it. We would. We would. We as society. What I what I know about society is that fundamentally, people don't change unless you push them to. Absolutely. And you have to force the issue. Yeah. You're not. You're not going to get change based off of just introduction of an idea. No. You have nope. to be willing to say this is what we're doing. No, we're we are going forward as a society. We are not staying where we're 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 not staying back there anymore. Yep. You know because if and if you don't have the fortitude to do that, mm-hmm. you have a problem because people are going to always fight you on change. Because yeah. nobody likes to nobody likes to change their environment. They like the way things always are until they realize, oh, this is better. Because it's all it's it's how we've always operated. Right. It's like you know if Walmart went away today, it'd be like, what the? Where, where am I going to go if I need? Um, you know, some cereal and milk for my kids, and, and also, some scissors, a, a scissors and a thirty-two inch TV. Like, where oh. am I gonna go? Right, we figure it out. We figure it out. Right, what are we doing before Walmart? Now, granted, we have all these options before Walmart, mm. but I'm just saying, like, this society is large enough, and the way we operate is that we can turn on a dime for anything when we're pushed. Yeah. When we are pushed, and when we want to. Right. So when I hear, especially as it relates to humanity, and I'm talking about race, gender, sex, like all these things, it's because we don't want to. Right. We just don't want to. We don't because want to. it's always it's always been that look, we we've we've had culture wars, and I hate to use that phrase because I know it's been co-opted or whatever, or right. been introduced by the but two things I'll mention is that one is uh when I mentioned culture war, it's, it's I've always heard Obama did more for LGBTQ folks than he did for black people. Like, let, let's not do that. Like, let's let's not let's not do that. We have two marginalized groups. I'm not here to play oppression Olympics, right? With you about who gets to go where and do what first. Well, uh, Biden did more for Asian American or Asians than he did for black people when he first got in office. Like, come on, let let's let's not do. That. Let's keep our focus on what actually. You got a big ass labor movement going on in this country right now that Biden still hasn't embraced for the life of me, and I I. I understand it, but I still don't get it. You could have Kamala at least do whatever. Then the other thing is, but you know what he's he's pushing that we've made more money in the last two years than we this country's ever made, which is crazy. It's a crazy stat, and you know what? We didn't even get into Biden because that's going to be another podcast. I'm just going to hold off on that, keep my powder dry on that one. But I got a whole lot of heat for that dude. But that is a fascinating thing that you're talking about. There is a really labor movement on one end of the spectrum. You know the end on. the top is talking about how, you know, the stock market's never been better. Things have never been better. Prices have never been, you know, the life is good. And it's like this huge disconnect. I, but I don't want to get it. I, I don't want to get into that either. But I just want to mention this one thing. Oh, well, okay, I do want to get into it. But I want to mention this really quick thing that Amazon, the first Amazon warehouse in the country that's going to be unionized is in my hometown of Bessemer, Alabama. It failed. But it was because Amazon put out a fake freaking ballot box where people were putting their ballots in and they were still in the ballots. Wow. And the National Labor came back and said, yeah, Amazon, y'all, y'all will, we're going to have to do that vote again. So they're back investment to do the vote again. The top comms person for Amazon is Obama's old press secretary. Ooh. So I'm not mentioning that as a criticism for Obama, but no, I'm but saying this all is, of this, this shit is, is intertwined. It's intertwined. The fundamentalism yes. of the oppression. It's a yeah. system that we yeah. got fucked up. It's yeah. not the people. The right. people are just, if I got a job with Amazon as their top comms person, guess what? I'm a part of that fucked up system now. Right. So when we say, yeah, there's criticism that's, that's, that's to be laid bare about all of this. 
Bessemer is, we got about 24, 25,000 people. That's a black town, man. Right. We had a black, we still, they still got a black mayor. The The place where the Amazon warehouse is located is on, it, it was on this dark road that had no street lights and all of a sudden it's being upgraded. Mm-hmm. Like you got all this, this stuff that's happening over there now. But the one thing, not the one thing, but one of the things that would have helped black people who work for Amazon, because you know it's a whole lot of us over there, would have been a union. Right. And Amazon tried to screw it up, and you didn't hear any criticism coming from the top on it. That's what I mean when I say we are protecting the wrong motherfuckers, because ain't no way Amazon put out a fake ballot box. Right. Fake ballot box. And then and the NRLB came back and said, God damn, like, no, y'all got to do that again because you messed it up so bad and it was wrong what you did. And then and there's no mention of it. None. And you talking about the stock market is doing great. We making all this money. And you got in Bessemer, Alabama, (laughs) Bessemer, a brand new union vote because Amazon screwed it up so bad. And you mean to tell me that's not something you can latch on to, man? Y'all better stop playing in my face. Listen, uh... That was just an appetizer for another for season two because we'll come back and we'll lean in, lean in on that man. I, I, you know, I do want to end on a note just on the Supreme Court yeah. and black women and the concept of just black people always having to um, be twice as good, you know, to get the rice is good. Yeah, so I, because of that because this this podcast likes to intermingle politics and social issues and pop culture. I thought this would be the most appropriate clip, and I went to go searching in my bag for this clip, so I hope you appreciate it. He is never in charge. Power is in charge. Power got him elected. I know more than you could possibly imagine about things of which you cannot dream. He told you that you would be first lady, and you believed him. Did I not raise you for better? How many times have I told you you have to be what? You have to be what? Twice. What? Twice as good. Twice as good as them to get half of what they have. Sleeping with them. For God's sakes. You know to aim higher. At the very least, you could have aimed for chief of staff, secretary of state, first lady. Do you have to be so mediocre? <laughs> he said, do you have God. to be so mediocre? <laughs> that's my favorite. Goodness gracious. Yo, that's, that's how you either somebody. I do, swear. Do you have to be so mediocre? I mean, <laughs> man, <laughs> I love yo shout out to Shauna Rhymes because that was that's a, no, he killed that he killed that he killed that that was a great scene but somebody, that line I'm I'm gonna lay out on somebody one some, day no use that on Jermaine Dupree <laughs> do you have to be so mediocre yeah, right that's <laughs> <laughs> so and we talked about the mediocrity of, of white men like so it, I just you know I want to uh, give you your final thoughts on um, just the idea of black excellence mm-hmm. and why we have to have black excellence in order to get a semblance of of a middle lifestyle. I wish we could take the elitism away from black excellence. Mm. Because usually when I see posts or I hear things about black excellence, it's generally associated with something that's going to be a, that's going to be accepted by white culture. So and and I'm not saying that that's how it is. I'm just saying that, that that's how I see it. Right. 
there's a whole lot of shit that black people do well that we don't necessarily appreciate. You know what I mean? Right. I, I give you, I give you a personal example. There has not been a week that has gone, but I've had my braids for three weeks now. Mm-hmm. They look, right. they looking spectacular, by the way. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's time for a rebraid, but my man, every every day, it's got like he's like a little baby hair brush. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But there has not been a week that has gone by where someone hasn't complimented me on my hair. I just, I literally just complimented. It's crazy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so. This it's it's a little twenty five year old black girl who doesn't yeah and she's still learning her way around mm-hmm. or whatever. I think that's a form of it, but I think we don't necessarily take that far. Like that black, I've had conversations with her while she's braiding my hair. She wants to open her own shop. She got all these big huge dreams, but there are some things that she needs to get done before she can get to where she needs to go. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't feel like we are. Always, and I'm not saying that this this is how it is for everybody. This is just how I am personally, how how I view these things. That we attach this label, this hashtag of black excellence to these six Supreme Court potential justices. Or within a certain box. Within a certain box, but we don't extend it further to our working class black men and women. Right. Like. Another example I'll give is remember when COVID first started and they had all these, we're going to stand outside and clap for these nurses and these, because they're doing such a great job. And I'm thinking in my, in my head, and I I would even see like when black doctors and black nurses would post about it, like, oh, that's black excellence. I'm like, yeah, I agree. It's excellent that they're doing this, but they getting slaughtered, man. Mm -hmm. Like these people have to change clothes before they go in the house because we just weren't sure where COVID was living and we don't want to get our people infected. The way that we appreciate black excellence in this country is through money. Mm. Mm. The best way to do that is through funding, is through money, Mm. is through making sure that whatever level of excellence we have, that we appreciate it no matter where it's coming from. So if I'm working to get nominated, like Will Smith is still working to get nominated, not even nominated, to win that Oscar. Mm -hmm. Do we appreciate Will Smith in the black community? Absolutely. That's not enough for him, though. It's not enough. You know what? I want you to stop because I want I actually just thought of a dope fire ass podcast. Just saying, man. That's now, a, no, that's a, that's a fire ass podcast. I actually want to. I didn't mean to kill your thunder. You're good, but but you understood why I was. I, going. I know where you're going, and yeah. actually, I, that's a fire ass podcast about the need for us to um, adhere to the concept of black excellence. I'm a, you know what? Season two is getting started off the right <laughs> way. We're going to rock with it, man. Have some black women on all to talk about black excellence and yeah. what that means. Yeah. And that's going to be that's going to be yeah, a fire man. podcast, man. So um, I appreciate it. But, you know, what Jason's really saying really, really wants is that he wants a black woman to be uh, on the Supreme Court justice that has hair braiding experience. Listen, <laughs> if she can decide on Roe v. Wade and these affirmative action cases while talking about the importance of a French braid tip. Listen, <laughs> you got my vote. Like, listen, Biden, yeah. I will vote for you next time listen, if you decide to do so. Listen, I, I want them to bring that up in a Senate hearing. I want somebody to be like, so talk to me about can your you braid hair. Can you braid hair? <laughs> like that's not a question. No, no, no. Let her answer. Let her answer, sir. You can't. <laughs> right. I yield my time. For- <laughs> so, um, 
But no, nah, man, I, I I really do appreciate you coming back. Um, and I appreciate you bringing it back, man. Yeah, I know how, how taxing a a podcast can be, and just the amount of physical and mental energy you have to expend yeah. um, to put something like this on, man. So I think it's dope that you brought it back and that you're still doing it at a high level. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And yeah. you know, I mentioned in the beginning that it's a love letter. This podcast, I want to be a love letter to Black culture. So. I'm going to start off something, or I, I'm going to try to end each episode with a letter. So, to my dearest black folk, today we spoke so many, I uh, spoke on so many topics surrounding the politics and societal truth on race and gender. And honestly, I have missed this. Um, in the absence of this podcast, I've simply absorbed the world and trying, just like you, to interpret what I was seeing. Now, if you follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, and even on Facebook, too, but to a lesser extent, I'm not posting there as much, um, my opinions, but... I have not been shrinking a shrinking violet in my opinions of how I interpret the world. But even within that, I was still reluctant to restart this podcast just because the amount of work and focus that this thing requires, as Jason just so eloquently stated. But it was your text messages and your inbox messages and for some even phone conversations that empowered me to come back for a second season. So I want to say thank you for that. Your encouragement put a battery on my back and has brought me back into the game. Um, you know that even in moments when y'all didn't hear from me, black people and in our culture has always been a center of my thoughts. I was still focused on black issues. I was still focused on black culture. And I was still focused on everyone who supports this podcast and what they wanted to hear. So I want to make the second season a great one. And I still want to push each other to get to the next level of an intellectual high level conversation and dialogue. So it's because of this, I couldn't think of a better outro song then you know going back into my west coast roots um that reminds me of why we do this and what it's for so bless up with love we're rocking on season two welcome back to uncultured bias with kamara williams still snoop dog and di guess who's back Still doing that shit, Andre? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Check me out. It's still Trey Day. Uh, AK. Uh, Though I've grown a lot, can't keep it home a lot. Cause when I frequent the spots that I'm known to rock, you hit a bass from the truck when I'm on the block. Ladies, they pay homage, but haters say Trey fell off out. My last album was The Chronic. They wanna know if he still got it. They say raps change. They wanna know how I feel about if you it. Wait up on Dr. Dre is the name, I'm ahead of my gang Still puffing my leaves, still with the beats Still not loving police Still rock my khakis with a cuff and a crease Still got love for the streets, repping 213 Still the beats bang, still doing my thing Since I left, ain't too much change Still, I'm representing for them gangsters all across the world Still, hitting them corners and them lolos, girl Still, taking my time to perfect the beat And I still got love for the streets It's the D.R.E. Across the world.